As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Lisa Edwards has supported Independent Tech News directly for five years. Be like Lisa. Become a DTNS member at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Tuesday, April 23rd, 2019 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. And from pleasantly warm Finland during the day, I'm Patrick Beja. And uh, from slowly, increasingly hot Southern uh, L.A. County area, I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang. <laughs> Thank you, Roger. Uh, we have got chips. We have got drones. We have got monetizable DAUs. Yes, everything you want in a tech show. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. JCPenney no longer supports Apple Pay, but the retailer told TechCrunch it's because it missed the April 13th deadline for supporting EMV contactless chip functionality. JCPenney says it has suspended all contactless payment options until a later date. Aww. OnePlus will hold launch events for its OnePlus 7 phone lineup in New York, London, Beijing, and Bangalore on May 14 at 11 a.m. Eastern. OnePlus is selling tickets Mm. to the events, but it will also stream them on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and its website. Why didn't Apple think of that? Uh, Source tells Reuters that Samsung is calling back in all the review units of the Samsung Galaxy Fold. Another source said that KH Vatech conducted an internal review of Fold hinges and found no defects. That's just a source. Samsung isn't talking about it yet. Samsung has delayed the launch of the Galaxy Fold, if you didn't hear about that, uh, while it investigates problems discovered by journalists who were reviewing the folding tablet. All right, let's talk a little more about the new Intel chips, Patrick. Uh, absolutely. Intel announced its 14 nanometer ninth gen H series processors for high end laptops. These are not battery extenders, which 
uh, yeah, with uh, 45 watt power draws, but offer up to five gigahertz of clock speed. I can't read today. The flagship of the H series is the Core i9-9980HK, which can be overclocked beyond its rated five gigahertz clock speed, has eight cores, 16 threads, 16 megabytes of cache, and supports Wi-Fi 6. Intel says the chip will have 54% fi- uh, faster 4K video encoding and 56% improved gameplay compared to three-year-old computers. The series is available now in Acer, Asus, Dell, HP, Razer, Lenovo, and MSI laptops. I mean, I'm keeping this laptop plugged in if it's got one of these series of Intel processors in it. But uh, if you need like a desktop replacement laptop and you're going to do some video editing in 4K, uh, you're going to do some serious gameplay, 5 gigahertz clock speed, 16 megabytes of cache, it's, it's pretty beefy. Roger, uh, Roger, you were pretty pumped about this before the show. Well, it it, it kind of marks uh, uh, not a turnaround, but definitely a, a lift from uh, Intel where they're noticing that like we need to start getting back into the game, so to speak, instead of just sort of coasting on on our existing product line. What's interesting to note is that it's still uh, relying on the uh, 14 nanometer process and not towards the 10 that they've been having a lot of trouble trying to get to. Uh, but you know, for the longest time, there have been manufacturers of laptops that have used desktop CPUs in them in order to generate the amount of processing power people needed. Intel said, well, why don't we just skip the middleman and give you a mobile processor that is DTR, desktop replacement quality, and we can basically get you a very fast, high-performing laptop uh, but using a uh, basically using a, a, a mobile chip instead of a desktop chip, which they have already released. I think um, we'll see how serious they are when they start pricing these parts out. Now, of course, the uh, the high end chip, the uh, the HK ninety nine eighty, is probably going to be the top uh, of the the bunch. But how much how much of a premium remains to be seen? But I'm pretty excited. Yeah, is that because you want to you want to get something that that has video editing capability in it? Like, well, this? typically, once they start coming out with with the higher end parts, they start drop. They typically within maybe half year start dropping the price on everything else, right? So I'm I'm hoping mm-hmm. to get a good. There's going to be a point where your your value goes up as they start flooding the market with these newer processors, and AMD will try to meet them uh, somewhere in the middle. But definitely, it's it's definitely. I, I will say this as a consumer, I think everyone will be uh, benefiting from this. And it's about six months time. Yeah, because it always has it, that cascading effect, yeah. uh, like like you say. It feels like to me the, and I don't know a huge amount about desktop replacements, which are a relatively niche uh, type of desktops. I think a lot of people usually when they go for desktops, want something that is relatively light. And these are not that. Maybe with this one, it will be a little bit more the case. But um, there, when you're talking about desktop replacements, it's not quite laptop-sized computers anymore, uh, especially when you try to target gamers. Um, now, of course, this uh, CP... The- Oops. Um, you, 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 GPU. You, you, you've dropped out for us. This you, you were saying. Oh, this I'm sorry. CPU. 
Um, yeah, this CPU specifically has a better performing GPU component, uh, in, integrated GPU. So it might help more. But uh, if you need to add a discrete GPU on the board, then the laptop size becomes enormous. And from my experience, uh, the integrated GPU that Intel designs have not been sufficient for serious gaming. Um, so, I, you know, they keep improving by 40, 50% every couple of years. So maybe they finally reach something decent. But until, from what I've seen until now, it's usually not enough for anyone who gets that kind of laptop for a game without an additional GPU. So yeah, it's definitely a niche product. I'm not going to, I'm not to suggest otherwise. However, my experience Gaming tend the, the 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 target market for these necessarily aren't gamers, although there are gamers among them. Uh, back at uh, when I was at CNET, we used we used Alienware gaming laptops to edit on the road because they were the most portable solution that we had as we went from venue to venue. Instead of lugging around even a shuttle box, which is maybe uh, six eight pounds total weight, still a lot to carry because you still have to have a monitor, keyboard, and mouse. With an you know with with a gaming laptop or at least a high performance desktop, plug in a mouse, you flip the screen open, and you can edit out the out the gate. Now I know there's at least one person out there right now who's saying, "No, I want a desktop with a powerful GPU, but I only have a hundred fifty dollars." Well, guess what? Sarah can help you out. NVIDIA's cheapest GeForce Turing video card, in fact, the GeForce GTX sixteen fifty, is now available for. $149, which offers a lower power 1080p experience for a more affordable price. The GTX 1650 joins the GTX 1660 and 1660 Ti. They're both based on the TU-116 GPU. The GTX 1650, though, ships with 896 CUDA cores enabled, spread over two GPCs, clocked to 1665 megahertz. NVIDIA opted not to allow the press to test the 1650 cards ahead of time, though, so reviews have yet to come. In fact, Anantech says this is not only highly unusual, but almost suspect. Anantech also says that based on specs, though, it seems that the Radeon RX 570 from AMD is probably the best comparison, matching price, beating in performance, but falling off in features uh, that relate to power efficiency compared to the 1650. Anantech also expects the GTX 1650 to deliver around 60% at least of the performance of the next card up in NVIDIA's product stack, which would be that 1660. So these are desktop cards. If you missed me saying desktop, these are not laptop uh, like our, our CPUs. Uh, but yeah, um, you know, more affordable options out there. Although Anantech is a little, little uh, miffed that they didn't provide reviews. They're like, hold off buying it until we can get a card and test it. Sure, uh, yeah. But they still think that the AMD cards probably are the better buys right now, but but these are competitive for sure. It's, it's a weird uh, uh, segmenting thing that they did, especially with the naming conventions at NVIDIA for this generation. And it's always, they always play around with things, but their current generation is the GTR, 2000 series and traditionally the cards that you would like to get and that serve the uh lower ish end and mid-range are the uh 60 series and 70 series and with this generation if i'm not mistaken they were priced 
a lot higher the 2000 uh, uh uh, GTR 2000 uh, series was priced much higher than the equivalent in the GTX 1000. So the GTR uh, 2070, for example, was much more expensive than the GTX uh, 1070. And now they're kind of uh, uh, kind of uh, filling up the the wide open gap that they had with this intermediary uh, naming convention and technology, which I don't even know what to think of anymore. And I think that uh, waiting for an Antex review is absolutely the thing to do because not getting review units is always weird and suspicious. Yeah, yeah. And don't forget, uh, this is not a fully enabled TU-117 GPU, although it is the first with the TU-117. that has a TPC fused off. Uh, so Nantech also speculating that maybe we'll see a TI version of the 1650 down the road, but it's odd that that didn't come out now either. Mm-hmm. Alphabet's UAV company Wing is the first drone operator to be granted FAA approval under the rules for a traditional charter airline or small air cargo hauler. That gives Wing the legal authority to start dropping products to customers from the air. I mean, not literally on their heads, but drone deliveries. Uh, Wing plans to begin routine deliveries of small consumer items from retail partners in two rural U.S. communities, Blacksburg and Christiansburg, Virginia, within a few months. Gaining the FAA's approval as an airline meant creating safety manuals, training routines, implementing a safety hierarchy. A lot of work. Uh, It took months. The approval will, however... Now make it easier for other U.S.-owned companies like, I don't know, Amazon maybe, to get approval as well because the FAA has worked through what you need to do as a drone delivery company to get this kind of certification. Uh, If you're saying, wait a minute, this sounds familiar. Earlier this month, we told you the CASA in Australia approved Wing to make deliveries in the suburbs of Canberra, Australia. So that's already uh, a program that that is getting underway, and now there'll be one in the U.S. as well. So it's happening, like it's actually happening. We're getting drone deliveries. We've on had a drone commercial. deliveries for years in places like Rwanda, Tanzania, even the UK, uh, parts of Europe. Yeah, uh, we're just finally it's getting good, it from the people yeah. we expected to get it from, which are the big names like Alphabet and Amazon. Maybe I, I asked a friend. Uh, he grew up in Virginia. I was like, Blacksburg, Christianburg, know them? And he's like, Yeah, they're very rural. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the whole idea with Wing is to get partnerships with retail uh, partners that well. Eventual retail partners, but that already exist in these communities, which would be somewhat different than probably how Amazon might roll out something similar to this, because Amazon always, you know, likes to have their own warehouses. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what the, you know, is there pushback? Um, You know, is is the community happy about this? Uh, One would think if it works well, it's it's better for everybody. Yeah, it does show, though, that you have to be a big company to make this happen in the United States. Uh, you know, I, that yeah, you're not getting FAA just, approval if you just like, yeah. you know, have you like have a to go through a lot company. of hoops to get this going. And yeah. I'm not even sure if Amazon will bother going through this. Maybe they will. They could. Uh, they certainly have uh, the ability to do it. But Zipline, the company that's been doing delivery in Rwanda and Tanzania for for years, is not going to go through this. I can tell you that they're, they're not going to go through all of of the procedures that alphabet did so it kind of leaves it in the hands of the big companies in the united states i i'm not so sure they wouldn't i mean if it's their 
entire business. And yeah, it's uh, obviously a lot of work, but it's not impos an impossible amount of work. You go through the requirements that you have to go through and you have some people working on it and it's what they do all the time. They know this business and the no, U.S. Well, is... I a think that's the key though. You have to know the airline business uh, to get this approval, you, not just the drone business. And I'm, I'm mm. just guessing it's probably not cost-effective for them. Eh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe. All right. Did you think we didn't have enough numbers? Well, Twitter <laughs> is here to help out. Twitter's first qu quarter earnings report showed revenue of $787 million, up 18% from the same quarter last year, and net income of $191 million, and earnings per share of $0.25. Cents. The U.S. accounted for $432 million, or 55% of Twitter's revenue with international revenues at 355 million. MAUs were uh, 330 million in Q1, 6 million fewer users compared to a year ago, but up 9 million from last quarter. Twitter says this is the last quarter it will report MAUs as it will focus on the dailies, which the company considers its more valuable number. Monetization, uh, monetizable DAUs were 134 million in the quarter, up 11% uh, uh, from a year ago. 28 million came from the US and 105 million internationally, though the US accounted for 55% of Twitter, Twitter's revenue. Japan is Twitter's second largest market market by revenue. So there's a big mismatch there. Uh, you know, roughly a third, well, maybe even you could look at it as a quarter of its business is domestic for Twitter is the US, but more than half of its revenue is US, which means as good as it's doing on revenue, if it could figure out how to monetize those international daily active users that are monetizable, according to this metric, uh, they'd be bringing in a lot more money. I don't know that that's necessarily the case. It depends which uh, markets we're talking about. If it is Western markets, certainly it, the, the revenue could be comparable to uh, what they're getting in the U.S. But if we're talking about, uh, you know, lower uh, uh, revenue kind of markets, poorer markets, it might not be possible to monetize them enough to make that leap uh, and they're talking about monetizable DAUs which maybe they're not monetizing all of them but I'm guessing they're monetizing some of them at least um, and it's still not even reaching half the revenue um, overall. So well I mean I that's the whole thing about monthly actives versus daily actives right is Twitter is like listen, you can monetize the person who's going to Twitter every day, much more than the person who might be checking in once a month. So the monthly active users, while an interesting metric, we don't want to, you know, we, we don't, the, our next quarterly earnings, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the dailies. But mm. it is interesting that even though international markets is where Twitter is growing. The U.S. is still where it's making its bread and butter, at least 55% of it. Yeah, and I'd still say, Patrick, without disputing everything you said about not all markets are as monetizable as other markets, that's a, that's a very good point. Uh, there's still such a gap that they, they've got to be able to make more money than, than mm. they are. They, they've got to be able to at least in, in, in even that out a little more uh, and, and shift it 
to more of its revenue coming from international than than the U.S. I think that's reasonable to expect. Mm. And monetizable DAUs means we're not talking about drive-bys. We're not talking about people who saw it embedded on a on a site somewhere. We're not talking about bots. We're talking yeah. about active users that are real people. That's important. Yeah. Sure, they they might all be in India though, where They're you know not. that's not going to be. They're not, of course. Well, or they're me, and I use of them are in the US. and I never see an ad. <laughs> I don't either. I, that's weird. I have never <laughs> yeah. seen an ad on Twitter. I yeah. wonder if it's because they yeah. don't want to bother the people I'm who have. Still a, blissfully unaware. Yeah, <laughs> that means they're not monetizing <laughs> it very well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, a very quick question to uh, finish us off on this. How much are you buying that the reason they're shifting the numbers is that it's a better one? Uh, or do you believe that it's because they are giving up on actually getting more monthly active users? I think, it, I think they- it's absolutely both. I think they, if monthly active users were continuing to go up, they'd still report it because, hey, hey, it looks right. good. Uh, but I also also think there's a legitimate reason to say, but the DAUs, the monetizable DAUs yeah. particularly, are a legitimately better metric for what we're doing. Mm-hmm. All right. Are we ready to talk about 5GE? Yeah. I know we are. AT&T <laughs> and Sprint have settled a dispute over AT&T's controversial 5GE rebranding of its LTE service. Sprint filed a lawsuit against AT&T back in February. We talked about it at the time, claiming that 5GE was misleading, causing customers to believe that the network was actually 5G. Terms of the settlement weren't disclosed, but sources told the Dallas Business Journal that AT&T will probably continue to use the term 5GE going forward. So I don't know, some money was changed hands and everybody went back to the drawing board. So it's time for the public service message again. If you missed it the first time or the second time or the 40th time, if you see 5GE on your AT&T phone, you are getting LTE service with carrier aggregation 4x4 MIMO and 256QAM for faster LTE. You are not getting 5G service. If you see 5GE, despite the misleading name, and it is misleading, a study by Open Signal in March found that AT&T's 5GE-capable phones received service about as fast as T-Mobile and Verizon's LTE, but faster than Sprint's. Which is why it made sense that they sued AT&T. Right. Uh, I do wonder if it was money changing hands, which we don't know. Uh, could have been. We don't. Or That's if it true. Was we don't. Toll access or network mm. access to Sprint. Like, hey, we noticed how bad your uh, LTE number was. You know, we could help you give give you a little uh, little access to a few more regions. You know, boost your speed. How about that? You make this lawsuit go away. What do you think, Sprint? Huh? Talk to me. AT and T. That's what. Uh, that's true. Yeah. I, 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 my AT&T voice. I originally was like, okay, so Sprint got some money and now they'd, they'll just shut up. But they're, yeah, they're the, the exchange of services somehow that benefits both companies makes a lot more sense. I like Drew Nielsen in our chat room saying the E stands for eh. <laughs> 5G. Eh, not really. No. So, uh, and I, I, I bring this up, we bring this up again because I'm not going to call anybody out, but I heard people who are very tech savvy recently saying, yeah, uh, I think I'm getting 5G. My phone said it. And another one was saying, well, wait, are you sure? Because you, you don't think you I don't think you have a 5G phone. And I, I didn't verify this, but I'm like, oh, I bet they're an AT&T. I bet they're getting 5G E and they just forgot that that doesn't mean they're getting 5G. I, I think there's no other possible explanation for that. Yeah. Um, and also, I would love for you to actually call them out. But um, so <laughs> I have a... Uh, a, a proposal of idea 
I absolutely hate this. I think it is deceptive, dishonest, you mean and 5G, manipulative. You the what? Sorry. You mean 5GE? You yes, 5GE. Yeah. The whole idea that yeah. 5GE is, you know, what AT&T is doing. It's terrible. However, didn't they do this with 4GE T-Mobile a few years ago? T-Mobile okay. started calling their 3G HSPA Plus 4G, even though it was not. Oh, right. Right. Um, it was annoying for about a year and or maybe a little bit longer but nowadays it's long gone and it didn't, you know, everyone knows what 4G is and 4G wasn't significantly impacted by this, these shenanigans of, of, of 4GE. And so maybe this is going to be the same thing. It's just we're annoyed by it on, on the principle of it. But how damaging is it actually? How many I, times I would suspect did, we, did Sarah use the term 4G and how many times did she use LTE when she was telling us this story? Zero. Well, Zero she said LTE. Of 4G. Because that term got bankrupted early on and we had to start saying, well, we mean LTE, not HSPA+. Plus. Mm. Uh, I don't know that we're going to have to do the same thing with 5G and I don't even know what the term, what the equivalent for LTE would be. Millimeter wave, maybe, something like that. Uh, but could lead it could lead to that. And it leads to confusion. That's the thing. You have people who are like, yeah, I guess I get 5G. Cool. This is great. I'm sticking with AT&T. Right, well, they rolled me out the 5G. Well, and the thing about this whole story and, uh, you know, again, it, it, it it's coming from a, the Dallas Business Journal that AT&T is like, okay, we settled it, but we're going to go ahead and still call it 5GE. If that's true, then it will continue to confuse people. Yeah. So pass it along to your friends. 5GE, not 5G. Yeah. Uh, Key by Amazon, however, is expanding. That's Key, K-E-Y, to 13 new U.S. cities for Amazon Prime customers, bringing the total of its 50, uh, total cities to 50. Key, if you're like, wait, what's Amazon Key again? It's the $119 a year in-home, in-car, and now in-garage delivery service. This is the one that they'll come up, get your door unlocked with, with like a smart lock, leave your package inside your door, close your door. Well, now you can have your packages left in your garage if you have a Chamberlain smart garage door with the MyQ connected garage door software. Uh, if you don't have a smart garage, Key does require an internet connected door lock and security camera for the in-home delivery. Or you can get in-car delivery if you have an active OnStar or Volvo OnCall account where they Guess can open who up your trunk. a Volvo OnCall account? Yeah. And you can have, they can leave it in your truck. Yeah, you know, it, it was funny. I, I, I recently got a Volvo, um, as I've talked about on certainly Good Day Internet. And it was funny. That was like a big selling point that uh, the the nice man uh, selling me the car was like, and guess what you can do? You can get your packages put into your car. And I was like, all right, well, I don't know. I mean, I'd rather just have it like inside the gate of my home because I don't have a garage. <laughs> well, because you work from like, home too. This is for people who yeah. like, oh, my car's out in the middle no, of the parking true. lot. It, That's kind of cool. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it is a, it's a very cool novelty thing that I think probably is going to be very attractive to certain people, although it is limited depending on what car you have. But the you know, and, and again, I don't have a garage. So I'm like, eh, whatever. I think but more I, people, a lot of people with garages will, will be excited. Uh, well, about I that. think more people are going to be comfortable with them leaving this in their house than in their garage. Have you seen people's garages? 
What? I would much rather have somebody leave a package in my garage than my actual house. So many people keep so much stuff in their garage. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I mean, no, I'm with I'm with Sarah. Uh, don't you keep stuff in your home, Tom? Yeah, like, yeah. You're not sure. like your valuable camera. It's your much garage. easier to get into a garage. So if somebody, it's not. I'm not worried about the delivery people stealing as much as I am the person walking by, going, "Hey, that garage has some cool stuff in it." Well, but yeah. that's why the security camera keeps everybody honest. Is there a security well, there camera it, or just the smart garage door? I don't think there's the security camera required for the garage. Uh, that's that's just the front door Mm -hmm. just the front door okay well all right so yeah that that would be a limitation yeah i I hear you on that the other question i have is to volvo and onstar users what you going to do with all that junk amazon leaves inside your trunk (laughs) (laughs) i know it's just gonna melt please email us feedback in the heat Uh, Folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com. And thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. You can submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. Bookmark it today. Also bookmark facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. Good conversations going on in both places. Let's check out the mailbag. There's another place for good conversations. Absolutely. And in fact, we got a great one from Kevin. This was like, Kevin, Kevin, uh, uh, let me learn something new. Yeah. So Kevin says, I consume fairly large amounts of tech news every week, either in the form of podcasts, go DTNS or tech news sites. But I came across something today I've never heard of in my life. I was curious if Wikipedia was downloadable. Turns out that it is. The file is just about 15.4 GIB. Kevin says, first, I assumed it was gigabytes, and then I looked closer, and I saw the little I in there, and I looked at, I looked it up and found out it stands for gigabytes with a B, not a G. Anyhow, after doing a search on the difference, turns out that gigabyte is a base 10 decimal term, and that gigabyte is a base 2 or binary term, where gibby, mebby, and kibby are called binary prefixes. Easiest to explain is with the kilobyte versus kibibyte, which has to do with that extra 24 bytes we're all aware of, where one kilobyte is really 1,024 bytes not actually 1,000. So kilo, mega, and giga are nice round decibel numbers. Kibi, mebi, and gibi are the binary equivalents, i.e. 1024, 1024 squared, or 1024 cubed. Very cool. I I, love this, Kevin. I love this. So very Wikipedia to use gigabytes to delineate (laughs) this because it's huge. I mean, I guess they have to. Yeah. First, very... Go Very ahead, surprising. Ben. It's only 15 gigabytes, honestly. Um, gigabytes. Gigabytes. Yeah, I apologize. Uh, but don't you have in English uh, gigabit? Yeah, you have gigabit and, and yeah. gigabit is a, is yeah. a speed measure. Gigabyte is a, bits a and bytes are different. amount measure. Yeah. No, gigabyte but gigabyte is base to 1024 squared, 1024 cubed. So it's quite so what's the a difference bit more between, than a gigabyte. What's the difference between gigabit and gigabit. Gigabit is a throughput measurement. It's not. No, a it isn't. Of... It's gigabit per second. Yes. The throughput measurement. Right. But gigabit. It's how much is still data is coming per data. second? Yes, yes, yes. It's but not a gigabit gig... is the amount of data, and gigabit per second is the speed. <laughs> right. But the amount of data, you're, you're, I think, you're is asking the... like why? Why are you using? Why aren't you using a speed measurement for this for this storage measurement? That's okay. The reason the reason I'm saying this is that in <laughs> French, uh, gigabit and gigabyte are 
two uh, different ways of measuring data and one is the decimal and the other is the binary. And I think that in English it might be the same, yeah, in which case I don't Giba, understand what... Which is a whole new one, another one that allows you to uh, measure extraordinarily large amounts of data easily. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll, I'll let it go and we can talk about it in uh, Good Day Internet afterwards. Ask Kevin. Although, although Kevin, I'm so glad you brought this up because as I read your email, I was like, what? I didn't really know that either. So, you know, thanks for schooling us and, and sparking some uh, conversation. Also, thanks to Patrick Beja for being with us this fine Tuesday. Patrick, what's been going on in your world? Uh, right now, I'm Googling giga, gigabit and gigabyte <laughs> and everything like crazy. Uh, but other than that, I guess uh, gaming is always on the forefront of my mind. If you... Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago... If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase enjoy uh, gaming casually then maybe you should consider subscribing to the monthly video game briefing which we do every month with scott johnson uh, and if you enjoy gaming more seriously then maybe you should consider subscribing to pixels which is my uh, bi-monthly gaming show where we go into more details about the games of our world <laughs> Excellent. Go check it out. Frogpants.com slash MVGB. Uh, we are doing it. We are getting the number uh, short of last month down into the single digits. Thank you, patrons, for becoming patrons. Our goal each month is to get one more patron than last month, and we are just nine away, one baseball team away uh, from reaching our monthly goal. So if you've ever thought about becoming a member of DTNS and we're like, you know what? I want those editor's desks and I, I want that newsletter from, from Roger and I, I want those, those, those extra bits that you get in the Discord access and all of that, but we will wait. We'll sit here and wait while you go to patreon.com slash DTNS and sign up. 
Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com, and we love your feedback, so please keep it coming. We're also live Monday through Friday. If you can join us live, please do so, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC, and find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Nicole Lee. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. You have enjoyed this broker. <laughs> Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.